0: Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Uh, As you know, uh, I love to get uh, international sports stars on the program, and Alvin and I tried very hard to get the Jamaican uh, sprinter, uh, Hussein Bolt, on the program. Um, but in the end, it didn't work out. I said, Abin, what can we do to salvage this disaster? And he said, well, Hussein Bolt is not available, but what about Sean Boltz? And I was like, Sean Boltz, he's, he's like a pastor in the L.A. area. Is he a sprinter also? Uh, doesn't seem so. But I looked into Sean Boltz, and it turns out I like this guy maybe more than hussein bolt and i said let 's get let 's get him on the program. We tried to get him on the program, and you know what happened, right? We got him on the program sean bolt 's welcome i 'm so glad to be here eric this is awesome i 'm not going to ask you to sprint, but i 'd like to talk to you <laughs> about uh, a lot of stuff you you 're somebody that I've, I've followed you a little bit, and I thought uh, when I heard that you had a book out, the book is called Encounter uh, that it would be great to have you on the program so you 're a
1: pastor. Uh, in Los Angeles yeah, i 'm a pastor in Los Angeles, but I actually uh, do more TV ministry i 'm on TV like you are, and uh, I do a lot of hosting of podcasts and we 're creating a conversation for what God is doing right now it 's so easy to see what he 's not doing it 's so easy to see what people are doing wrong and what the enemy 's doing, but seeing what god 's doing is really profound right now
0: that I know that is true, and it 's one of the reasons I wanted you on the program because a lot of people wouldn 't know. That Because if if you look around the the news media, let's face it, they're not covering things as they are. That's putting it really mildly. And there are dramatic things. I just had dinner with Mario Marullo the other day and he started sharing things with me. And I said, why do most Americans have no idea that there's revival happening? Lives are being changed. You would just think it's it's hopelessness wherever you look. And, and in part, because of the hopelessness, it's driving some people to God. So there's a good side yeah. uh, to, to the ugly. But um, so you're you're the host. I'm sorry. You're the host of a program, obviously, on TBN, but also you're pastor of a church. And the title of your book, the new book that I want to talk to you about, is called Encounter, uh, a yeah. spiritual perspective that will shape your faith for the coming move of God. What do you mean by that? The coming move of God.
1: Well, you know, the last time that Christianity moved forward in a major way in America was uh, during a period called the Jesus People Movement. It was the late 60s, early 70s. And we had about 18 million people get saved, not church-centrically around one church. But it it started in Southern California, but it went all around the world. And it was reported by news media and on the cover of Time magazine and all these places. And the least likely people group were the ones who were used to bring this, which was the hippie community. And so it's just really interesting how God used the least likely. But we're, I believe we're facing another season where there's a move of God. And before that happened, there was about 15 years of darkness where there was moral decay and free love, free, free drug culture. All these things started happening. People started leaving nuclear family. Just like today, nuclear family was down to about 8% during those years, just a few years. And so people start to leave kind of iniquity was the big thing, like people iniquity being a wrong mindset through the way we believe psychologically, through the way we believe, you know, kind of humanism was rampant. A lot of socialism was rampant. And then Jesus showed up. Then the Holy Spirit came and just supernaturally brought his presence to the earth. And many people got saved. It was very easy. And I've talked to many pastors, and I don't know if you know this, but 85% of senior pastors in America today were saved during that period of time, whether it was as a result of that revival or just coincidence that it was that period of time. Oh, yeah. And a no, lot no, of them are aging a, it, out now.
0: It's a, it's a fact. You're, you're right. And I want to get your story too, Sean. Uh, so, you know, before you came to be uh, the, the, the pastor of this church in Los Angeles. Where did you grow up, and when did you come to faith?
1: Well, I grew up, uh, my parents were first-generation Christians, and my dad was a colonel in the Air Force, and he's retired now. And my parents got stationed down here during that Jesus People movement. And so I was really imprinted by that, and I, I never had a time away from God. I always knew God, but I wanted to see if what we were seeing inside of church culture could work Anywhere. And so I'd start to go to like extreme missions. I I feel like I was the jackass missionary because I would go out just like the show Jackass and go to like red light districts and war zones. You'd like ride a mini bike
0: off of a cliff with a Jesus flag type of thing.
1: (laughs) We would do really radical things and we would do missions at the same time in different countries, you know, whatever sport we could do or jumping out of airplanes, whatever. But uh, we would see radical things happen, like the same things that were happening in charismatic Pentecostal church cultures. We would see that in the dumps of a war zone with children who were orphans who had no other alternatives or in IDP camps. And so I spent, you know, the last up until I was married, I spent about 20 years going to extreme places to see if the kingdom would work in those places. And the same way we see it. in and, and we hear reports in church cultures around the world, and I wanted to see if that was real. And so that was my my background's a little extreme. I, I caught it. I did extreme missionary Tourism because I, I only went for like a week at a time, and then I also spoke in the church at, at some of the greatest churches in the world for many years. I usually uh, speak at about sixty churches a year, but I've taken some time off because I'm producing right now. But uh, man, it's it's amazing what God's doing right now. If you have eyes to see, like what you said with Mario Murillo. So my background is I want to see if God will touch extreme places of culture and extreme places where people can't see God without the Holy Spirit showing up. So I'm in Hollywood. I, I minister in Hollywood in Los Angeles, and I also do a lot of stuff with the Poor still.
0: You and you and I, uh, in in many ways, th- think very similarly, and it's exciting to hear you say this stuff. I, I, I'm in Manhattan, uh, in New York City, and very similar Love to it. Hollywood. It's extremely secular, and you do get the impression that people have been so inoculated against faith in the God of the Bible that unless a miracle happens, unless God blows mm-hmm. their mind by showing up in a way that people say, "Well, I don't know if God does that anymore." Well, when God does that. Everything changes, and that kind of thing is happening. Um, and so, and you said you're producing right now. What are you producing? Because I know you're involved in, in- entertainment somehow.
1: So I, I do entertainment consulting, but right now we're producing a faith-based film for, or actually, a mainstream film with faith-based kind of seeds in it uh, for children. So we're doing an animated film with Conrad Cartoon Studios, and then I'm also producing for TV and a couple more shows. And so uh, I have a show called Discovering God on TV, and we're doing some more stuff. But we really focus on, when it comes to the faith-based stuff, I really focus on hearing God's voice, because I believe that hearing God's voice is the secret sauce of Christianity. And it's what's really going to bring us into that place of seeing what God's doing and understanding his perceptions. And the book really goes into this where Solomon was the first one in history to ask God, can I think the way you do? Can I perceive your thoughts so that I can lead your people? And so the book really starts out, the first chapter goes into what if we share the neurology of God, neuropathways, and we start to get you know, illuminated thoughts from his spirit, because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit searches the deepest parts of God and then relates them to us, and we have the perceptions of Christ. And the clearest image of that is when Solomon led the people of Israel. And so we've really been focusing on how do we connect to God? I mean, it's, it's the most popular subject. If you Google Christianity, what are Christians thinking about? Right. Hearing God's voice is number one. So i focused our ministry for the last 10 years on how does the average person hear God's voice in a way that affects them and the world around them, where they could translate what he's saying in a real way.
0: Well, There is nothing more important. And, you know, it's very it's a very hot debate. Right. Because there are people, myself included, that sometimes get frustrated because, well, of course, I want to hear from God. But I haven't heard from him recently or I don't. You know, this is normal. And and I think uh, I'm glad you address it in your your new book, Encounter, because I think that people are hungry. And listen, the easy religious answer. I can hear people right now saying, well, you want to hear from God, read the Bible. Yeah, we already know that. (laughs) So shut up because we already know that we know that God speaks through the Bible, but we know that he also speaks in other ways. But I would say if you want to get a running start, like takeoff, like you want to you want to you want flight, the running start, the runway, read the Bible. The more you read the Bible, the more you're already thinking God's thoughts with him, because God will never speak in a way that contradicts. The Bible, but um, I want to talk to you more about what you think people can do uh, to to hear from God. You know, other than read the Bible, which we should be doing anyway. But I think we can do it with a kind of expectation that God wants yeah. to speak to us through the Bible.
1: Well, in the book is actually a bunch of encounters that I've had that help give people faith because a lot of times when you read someone else's encounter, it's hard to read because you have to digest the way that they think and the way that they operate and the way that their church background is. But I really feel like this book was written in a way that everybody can relate. And it's a series of encounters that makes you feel more known by God and closer to God because you start to see God's original image. In his original design of how he designed us that he thought of us for the equivalent of millions of years each before we, we were even created. And he was so creative as a, as a father over us. And so I go into some encounters that whether they're parabolic or they're literal, I don't know. But I think that when I say parable metaphorical, like if it's God just related it that way, so I'd understand it because Jesus did that so much in the parables. So in hearing God's voice, I think, you know, we, we all, whether you're conservative evangelical or you're charismatic or Pentecostal, it doesn't matter Catholic. It doesn't matter. We all really do hear God's voice because conviction of sin, when you feel bad about something that you didn't mean to do or that you intentionally did, and then God shows you you shouldn't have done it, you will not lead yourself in a conviction. So if you, if you know you need to change in some area, that was the Holy Spirit you heard from God or sometimes to give money, finances, I mean Jesus talked about finances 20 times or more. And so when you talk about like God showing you to give some of your money, we get grief as humans to give money away unless it's something that really gives us an emotional high. And, and tithing doesn't give us an emotional high. As a matter of fact, it's frustrating for most Christians. But there's something inside of us that says, I'm going to tie my value system to God. So a lot of us get compelled to give in ways that aren't comfortable. And that's another way we hear from God. But then there's on top of that, God is speaking to us in ways that transform our, our inner life. Well, and I would say, you know, we we have this way of being wired. God wired us for connection. And we see that all through the Bible because he's pursuing the children of Israel and he's pursuing the church for deep connection. And if you take all the times that God spoke to the normal average person out of the Bible, we have nothing left. This is what God does. And he encounters us. And when he encounters us, it really gives us different options that aren't on the table right now. Like a lot of things we're dealing with politically, or a lot of things we're dealing with with the social justice issues, the way that the, the world would go after him, is it's just it's it's half vision. It's not full vision. And so we see the options of half vision people. We see the options of a man's best effort. But we're looking as Christians for a result that we can't get out of our own skill, our talent, our education, our socioeconomic status, our racial background. We're looking for a result that only God could bring in. When we, when we really give our lives to Jesus and we're really surrender, we start to get options and our pursuit with them that cause us to have something happen that's not us, but is God. And that's the beautiful thing about the life of surrender is that God does something through us that we couldn't do for ourselves. But that's really to affect the influence that we would carry, too, because I think we're supposed to be and I go through this in the book. We're supposed to be more like Joseph's serving in Pharaoh's house. Not on the other end of Israel, like going, oh, I hope someone saves us from this famine. But on the, on the other end of actually influencing, saying, hey, you had a dream. Here's the interpretation. We're supposed to help the whole land by storing up. And then we we're recession-proof when the recession comes of food or when the supply chain. And I feel like we're in that place, again, where God's raising up people. To have a word or to have a message for the pharaohs or to have for the influencers so that we all go forward. We all move forward in God's plan for God to love the whole world, not just churches, not just Christians, but for the whole world, God has a plan.
0: Well, there's no doubt about that. And of course, it's what you're saying is, is this is how God wants to use us to draw people to himself because we have supernatural access to the Lord of creation. Uh, and he wants us, like you mentioned, uh, Joseph or Daniel, they're characters in the scripture whom the Lord uses uh, to blow people's minds, to say, Absolutely. I am God, I am real, I can help you. Why don't you turn to me? You know? and, uh, but, I, but I think you're right. I think a lot of Christians, they don't really, um, they just don't have a sense that God could use them that way.
1: Yeah, we've been creating a conversation through through our podcast. I have a podcast called The Exploring Series. And uh, it's really interesting because we've had people in the marketplace and just who are working normal jobs everywhere, doctors and lawyers, venture capitalists, farmers, and they've been sharing how they've heard from God and how it's made a difference in their career. And so we're seeing this like you see what Solomon had, where he actually develops the whole city. It wasn't just the temple; it wasn't just the spiritual thing that we can see, but everything was spiritual. The city infrastructure, transportation, the way they did agriculture, the way they did education, judicial system, and it became a place of almost spiritual tourism, where it says that every known king would send somebody or else the, the leader would come to see how he ruled this kingdom and the queen of sheba comes and she and this is in my book she comes and she looks around and she sees what's happening and she says surely god loves his people your god Because he raised up a man like you. And she begins to worship God, not because he evangelized her, but because she saw what God was like through him. And I really believe that this coming move of God isn't just evangelism that we've seen in the past, but it's also people seeing what does family look like? We're we're wired for nuclear family, husband, wife, children. And so when you have somebody who has confusion in that area of what should family look like and they see something that has health in it, that has God in the middle of it, that's God's design, they go, I want that. Like, I don't care what I was choosing before. I want what you have. And so in the book, I'm giving a hope-filled perspective that God has wired us a certain way that works. Not just, it's not a controlling wiring, but it's a way that he knew we would thrive. John 10, 10, where Jesus says, you're going to live an abundant life. And so I believe we're wired that way. So when we come back to that wiring, when we, when we display that, revival happens.
0: Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I didn't think I'd bring it up, but um I- I've written, uh, I guess, in my book, If You Can Keep It, I write about Alexis de Tocqueville coming to the United States, uh, 1826, whatever it was, and seeing prosperity, liberty, joy. And he sees mm. that the churches are at the heart of it. And many yeah. people wouldn't even ask Beyond that, they would just go, I just I we want this where, where we are. We don't have this where we are. We have very dead religion. We don't have mm-hmm. liberty. We don't have. And here I see something going on. What is this? I want this. And people from around the world have come to the United States and been exposed to actual Christianity just because they say we we don't know what you have, but it's infinitely yeah. better than what we had. And then, of course, they often discovered that at the heart of it is faith in the God of the Bible, institutions uh, dreamt up by people who believe in the God of the Bible. So this is a, this is a long history from Solomon, you know, through the founders uh, and until today. Um, today, w- What else do you say in your book? Again, in the book, folks, it's Encounter. We're talking to Sean Boltz, B-O-L-Z, uh, who has a program, obviously, on TBN. Um, and it's Encounter, a spiritual perspective that will help That will shape your faith for the coming move of God. So you do believe, Sean, that we are in a movement right now. We're on the verge of something. Because many people have been
1: saying this. Why do you say this? Well, I say this for two reasons. One is that there's more people, according to all the missions groups, whether you look at YWAM or you look at the highest missions organizations, Barna Group statistics, these kinds of things. There's more people being saved today on the earth than there ever has been by far. I think it's by 10 times. But it's mostly in the Middle East and China. And so – we're seeing these movements, and it doesn't really affect the Western world. So the average Christian in North America or the average Christian in one of these countries that may be watching today, you may not feel it. You may feel the political pressure, the financial—we're you know we're in a, almost a recession I, because of inflation. So you may feel that, but the reality is, is that if you open your eyes, God's bringing the kingdom and advancing it. He's setting up the Middle East I, and China for something that's I, a tipping point, I, really. I,
0: I agree. Um, Sean, we're talking about a lot of stuff, and one of the things—one of the themes here— is that I think sometimes people think in religious ways that they, they, they keep in a little religious box, and they forget that God yeah. wants to use our faith to touch everything. Um, and even when you're talking about the simple issue of liberty, um, right now with the truckers uh, in, in Canada, there is revival happening in those places, that that people are realizing we're in a war. People are trying to take away our liberty. And who are often the loudest voices is Christians who say, yes, God wants us to be free. God wants us to understand how we're supposed to function. And we're not supposed to function the way Marxists do, the way socialists do. We're supposed to be free. And so, you know, you're getting stories of uh, at some of these truckers rallies in places like Canada, people get the microphone and they're sharing the gospel of Jesus. Absolutely. This is this is something that God is doing. It's amazing.
1: Well, and I think of like every great move of God or revival that actually hit a nation, like Argentinian revival, Welsh revival, the UK revival of the, you know, 14 1500s, it start with a little minority of Christians who weren't loud and were possibly even passive, and then all of a sudden something woke them up to say, this isn't right. We need to stand against injustice. We need to stand for the kingdom. And it's happening again today. It's happening in America. It's happening in Canada. And we're going to hear more and more that you're one of the conversation leaders is driving a narrative of what God is doing and what Christians are doing, what people are seeing and impact of their faith. And I think when you read a book like Encounter, it helps set up at the foundation in your heart to say, wait, God is with us in a really unique way right now, and I need to believe and see that. And I've got incredible feedback from the book, more so than any of our other books recently. It's just so crazy to see people who read this and feel like I have a vision now. It's activated things that God's put in me from a long time ago. And I'm ready like it's a now time. And I think we need these kinds of resources right now.
0: Well, um, I I really do think that. People, even when they don't know that it's God, God is speaking sometimes in circumstances. But um, do you write in the book about, you know, what we would call actual miraculous encounters about hearing from God, dreams, visions, that kind of
1: thing? Yeah, so it's, it's basically a series of encounters that I had. And I don't always write that way. It's very vulnerable because it's things that shaped my theology and shaped what I'm doing now. And it's really, it's it, I had to kind of be detoxed from religion growing up in the church and thinking God was one way. And especially when you're church, like you're involved with denominations that are very, very stubborn in their theology and they're not very, um, they don't always relate well to others outside of that. I had to kind of detox a lot of that so that I can look at the whole world, what God loved in the world. And so these encounters helped to bring me into a hope-filled perspective of Jesus and what He can do through our lives and culture and in the the greater world. And I think you know I talk about things like the the next move of God is going to be in the marketplace and the church will support it versus vice versa where we see one church that has an incredible revival in their city. They have 10,000 people get saved or whatever and it's around that church. We're going to see people get saved in Wall Street. We're going to see people get saved in places because Christians are positioned there like a Joseph, a Daniel, an Esther. So I talk a lot about these encounters where I see Esther's and I see Joseph's and I see people being positioned in their faith. They're just like a pastor is being called to start a church, there's people being called to start Bitcoin uh, companies and, and with the same passion, the same calling that their pastor had. And we're starting to recognize there's no line between sacred and secular. It's all sacred. It's all, it's all a life of God. It's all missional.
0: See, that's the that's the theological error that a lot of Christians have fallen into. And you're really playing into the hands of the secularists. You say, like, I'm going to stand over here in my little religious corner. They're afraid to take it outside the realm uh, where where they feel that it belongs. But but ladies and gentlemen, if you don't take it outside the building of your church if you don't take it outside sunday morning you you are wasting your time sunday morning the whole point of sunday Mm -hmm. morning or for any of these things that you do in these little religious corners is to prepare you to take it out into the world and so that's obviously why i get excited sean when i hear visions like this when i hear your vision and your heart for for what you're doing and what you talk about in this book
1: Well, thank you. I think there's a great maturing going on right now in Christianity, and I think the book helps people to see kind of a roadmap for what does maturity look like as a Christian and how can I go deeper? How can I do what we're talking about? Because it's so much easier when love is driving you to do it. When you see Jesus, but you see what he paid for, the reward, which is people he paid for, and you can see somebody not as the drug addict or not as just a coworker, but you can see him with his eyes at the end of the race with the trophy in their hand, like that they love him, and you begin to treat them even beyond what they're worthy of in the moment, and you start to. the connection. I think it's so different when you have that love-filled, hope-filled perspective, not only for someone, but also for the nation that you live in. And I think the book's going to really help you do that. So I'm, I'm so excited that I was able to share today.
0: Well, you, um, again, you're in L.A., but it sounds like you, you travel a lot or you have traveled a lot.
1: Yeah, I've traveled for 27, 28 years, about 60 trips a year, and half of the, I'd say one-third of those would be in other nations, and then the rest would be in North America because I have such a passion for North America, really to hear God and really connect to their vision. We talk a lot about transformation, and so it's it's a really fun topic to be able to even do podcasts on and some of the TV series we do.
0: Well, I have a friend, Ken Fish, who's been on this program many times. Oh, I love Ken. God, you know Ken. He's an extremely dear friend. He was just on the program. and. Uh, you know, he is obviously in the Los Angeles area, but he travels so yeah. much, travels around oh, the world. So much. But I always think, wow, I, I want him, you know, I wish he could move to New York and just train people to do what he does here. Because because this yeah. kind of stuff, I mean, there's a lot of aspects to this, but there's ministry that is, you know, it looks like ministry. And then there's stuff like what we're talking about, which is how do you take it out? Out beyond the church. But obviously, you also move in the quote unquote miraculous.
1: Yeah, I think that our our secret weapon is that we do things in cooperation with God that we couldn't do in our own strength. And it, when you have a moment with God with somebody, when it's God's ordained that moment in, in you, you're believing he's going to do something. What would normally take 25 counseling appointments or 15 life coaching appointments or right. 30 times in church happens in that second. And we are dealing with oppression on our nation like we've never seen. And we need spiritual tools. I love counseling. I love therapy. I've studied psychology. I've studied neurobiology, neurology. I'm not professionally, but I mean, I've studied it for years. It's been one of my side passions. But what God can do in a moment to recalibrate us is what we need right now. And America needs an encounter with a delivering God. Jesus spent one-fourth of his time on deliverance. And we need to see that. So I love what Ken does with supernatural miracles, healings, the prophetic. Gonna... I, I see a lot of that in our own ministry. But I also equip people to do it like Ken does. And we have the stories of the average household mom that that believed one day just said, I'm going to go after this. And she's seeing it too. So I love that it's not, th- these aren't regulated to the ones who are gifted. I wasn't born under a certain star. I don't have a birthmark on my knee. We're gonna... Like God, this is our, our our inheritance as christians is to see the kingdom at work and so i'm with ken on that i'm with you on that
0: we're gonna have to leave it there just excited to talk to you sean bolts is the author the book is encounter thank you sean
1: thank you so much for having me on thanks for listening to
0: christian outlook our program is coming to you today in partnership with the pepperdine graduate school of public policy it's america's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on pepperdine's breathtaking campus in malibu california Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.